Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hit and Run podcast, where conversation collides. My name is Robbie Alexander, and I am joined, as always, by Natalie Dunn-Billings. Season six, baby. I, I can't <laughs> I believe it's... I, we were just talking about this off air. I can't believe it's season six. I thought it was season five. It's crazy. I mean, to be fair, season four was really short, so... It was five episodes. So still, it was like a half season. But we also had three specials last winter. Mm -hmm. So that brings it up to eight, even though the specials were non-season specials. They (laughs) They were special just for you, the listener. Yeah, it's been a while. We've been gone a while. We've done, as I just said, some specials. You know, the wedding special, the Christmas special, the Disney trip special. But we haven't had a season since beginning of last fall. Yeah. And we've been up to some shenanigans, (laughs) as we always are. But now we're going to talk about them here on the podcast. So do you want to talk about you first? You want to leave that for the end? You want to talk about me first? How about you go first? How about I go first? Okay. Well, let's see. Last time we talked, I was just starting swing dance lessons. Ooh. And let me tell you, I panicked when we first found them. So... (laughs) To go back to the beginning of the story, it was New Year's Eve and Hillary found the swing dance lessons online and she had taken some swing dance lessons in college Mm -hmm. and then hadn't done it since. So she wanted to do it again. And it was a four week course once a week and she really wanted to do it. And I was unsure, but I'm open to try things. So I said, Mm -hmm. sure, it's one night a week for an hour. I can suck it up and go. (laughs) Well, then I find out that swing dance is a social dance, which means I wouldn't be dancing with Hillary except for maybe five minutes a night. I'd be gallivanting around the room with others. (laughs) And then I really started to internally panic, not externally, because I didn't want her to worry because she was very excited about this. And I was too. But I was also very nervous. We know me. I'm a squirrely boy. So I'm kind of dreading it just slightly. And it's about two weeks until it starts. And the first night, I literally am sweating on the inside (laughs) with how nervous I am. And we get in Mm. there. And our teachers are Thalia and Xander. Everybody there is super nice, which I'll get into later. But they always start their beginner classes with the robot test, where you just walk in a circle and you kind of just dance around to prove that you're not a robot. And I took me about two minutes, but I got into it. (laughs) And I have loved it so far. I'm not great. I'm not going to lie. I'm not great. I pride myself on picking up on things fast. Mind, I do. Body does not. Body likes to take a (laughs) while to figure out the steps. But so far, we're three months into it. We have a swing dance membership. Mm-hmm. which means we they offer four courses a month and so we can take any of those courses you want plus they have practice after the Tuesday night courses and they have a social dance after the Wednesday courses for an hour and so the second month was the first time we did the membership and we said why not do all four courses oh my gosh <laughs> it was so difficult not in that I didn't have fun uh-huh. because it was amazing but I could not keep track of the dances. So (laughs) the four classes we did, we did intro to Balboa, which is a beach type dance, shuffling very close to the partner. Then we did blue swing, Mm -hmm. which is also very close to the partner. And then we did St. Louis shag. That's right. There's a dance called the St. Louis shag, which is so (laughs) fun. 
but so exhausting. And then we did continuing swing, which is the swing dance we do is the Lindy Hop, which is a very popular swing. It's very much when you go to swing dances around the country, especially social dances, it's going to most likely be Lindy Hop with variations because mm-hmm. you can throw in all the other dances I've said and just go along with it. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you that I couldn't keep my dances straight. <laughs> so much so that the one night when we were warming up, we did St. Louis Shag, like I said, was exhausting. And then we'd go to beginning swing. And I always warm up with Hillary because, you know, we go to there together. Or she's right there. We just start dancing. And we couldn't even remember the basic steps. <laughs> we, were, we looked at each other and we we're like, oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot how to do this. <laughs> so we backed off. I've only done two courses this month. I did continuing swing because it's new teachers every month and then they all you're always learning something new so you can take continuing swing as much as you want Mm -hmm. and then there was the next session of balboa so we took that too and we'll see how many classes i take next month because i'm still i'm starting to get good and lindy hop in the fact that i'm finally being able to put different moves together because it would be, I learn to move here and I learn to move here, but I could never get them to, to smoothly flow into each other. Where now, uh-huh. this last week, I finally gotten it. And part of the reason is because I stayed for the social dance and danced with some really good dancers. And that's the other thing. We've made so many friends. All the uh-huh. teachers are super nice. All of the other dancers are so nice. It reminds me of being in band, but if you took out all the asshole band kids that thought they were cool for band. <laughs> They're so nice. Nobody cares if you mess up because everybody's just trying to learn and have a good time. They go out after the dances. There's several social dances a week we're finding out. They always go do other things. So, for example, after Wednesday dances, a lot of them go and get dinner together. So I did that last week for the first time, and it's it's just so, pardon me, burping, just, just so much fun. <laughs> it sounds really fun. It's... It's so fun. When we when we see you and Sam, we can we can show you the moves because I've been learning as a lead and Hillary's been learning as a follow, which is very different. And kudos to follows <laughs> because in St. Louis Shag, and I won't go on a tangent for too much longer about swing dancing, but in St. Louis Shag, you learn to be the lead and the follow. It's pretty interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Every time I was a follow, I was, I don't know what I'm doing because you have to... <laughs> you have to essentially read what the lead wants you to do. And obviously the lead needs to be good at conveying and, you know, leading, but conveying Mm -hmm. what they want to do before they're starting to do it. And the follow, you have to listen to that, but don't anticipate too much because then you're going to get yourself in trouble because you're going to start thinking, oh, he probably wants to do this. But if you're not truly listening to each other, then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Not really, because you just kind of ad lib at that point. But it's a lot of a lot goes into it. My hips are finally starting to loosen up, so it's been it's been fun. I'm very excited <laughs> to see how this keeps going. But that's that been fun. that's been most of my time in these last couple months. I think we talked about in the Disney episode. Maybe we didn't. Uh, we had Cody down for two months. Mm-hmm. It was his St. Louis abroad semester. <laughs> So he came January 11th, and then we left March 12th. I drove him back to Michigan to A, see family and friends. B, we were going to go to the Greta Van Fleet concert, and we're out to dinner. We were treating Joe to dinner because he just graduated from the nursing program, so we were going to celebrate. And we did. 
But whereas we were ordering drinks, Cody looks at his phone and his face just drops and he says, oh no. And we said, what? He said the concert was canceled. Oh no. Nobody believed him. And he flipped the phone and showed us. Turns out the guitarist has pneumonia and they've canceled shows through the beginning of April because he went to the hospital with pneumonia. Oh my God. So they said he's going to be okay, but it was a bummer. Yeah. It was a bummer. They're coming back and rescheduling the show for beginning of September, actually the week after I plan on seeing you guys and going to New York. So I should be able to go back for that. But I mean, just hope that he's okay because that is, it's nasty. The, yeah. the one bright side though that I kind of thought of is there a if you don't know Greta Van Fleet, they're a rock band from Frankenmuth, Michigan. Frankenmuth is like 20 minutes north of Flint. So my one of my initial thoughts was, well, at least he's close to home. Because if he went to the hospital, at least, you know, his parents could go see him and his right. family and friends. So that's kind of a bright side. But we wish him the best. Greta Van Fleet is an amazing band. We had a great time with Cody in St. Louis. He spent most of the time studying because he is getting his master's online for <laughs> accounting. But we still had some good food, played a little wiffle ball. I showed him how good a Trulies are. Have you ever had a truly seltzer? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> we get, we, I got him into the punch ones. So uh, we went through some Trulies those last couple weeks. His last Sunday... <laughs> We went to the farmer's market, got a bunch of fresh ingredients and made a Sunday supper Italian style from a YouTuber we watch called Not Another Cooking Show. I'm just going to plug him because he's got some phenomenal recipes. Yeah, it was a good time. He got me into tea. I love tea now. I drink several cups of tea a day. <laughs> he came into the office and he was my office buddy. So that was a good time. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it too much because uh, I'm going to tear up because I miss him already. But he's, <laughs> he's doing great things. So that was another thing that I spent a lot of time with. Uh, the cats are doing amazing. Little Cider's getting more confident as the days go by. He's also getting pretty sassy. So <laughs> He's like the most vocal cat I have ever met. Oh my gosh. You haven't even seen his dinner routine. So I don't know if I've <laughs> talked about this on the show. But I don't think so. at last August, we noticed that he was, he was pretty plump. He was our chunky monkey, my little chumba wumba. And what I think happened was he had worms when we brought him in, mm. right? Most outside cats do. It took us a long time to finally get rid of the worms. I'm talking, I think April, we gave him a treatment and I think we finally got rid of them for the most part. Somebody had worms in December. We're pretty sure it might've been him still, but we just shocked them all. And when I say mm -hmm. shock, I mean give them medicine. <laughs> but since he didn't have worms taking all his food and also because he was so food dependent, we used to just feed, free feed pumpkin and bear. Mm -hmm. but he was eating too much. He was eating more than his allotted share. Yeah. And I was actually in Michigan and Hillary sent a text in a picture and she's like, he's looking really fat. And so we weigh him and he should probably be about 12 pounds. This boy was almost 16 oh my pounds. God. <laughs> he was so fucking fat. <laughs> so we quickly put him on a diet. We now have two designated meal times and very much precisely measure his food. But then we also have to monitor him because this little shit will sit there. He'll finish his food before bear. And Pumpkin now likes her food on the counter because it means she doesn't have to eat next to her stinky brothers. But he'll <laughs> finish his food before bear. And instead of walking off, he'll fake eat. I'm, I kid you not, he will act like there's still food in his bowl when I know damn well there's not because I can see there's none. <laughs> 
And as soon as Bear walks away, because Bear always leaves a little bit left, this little shit tries to sneak in and steal mm -hmm. Bear's food. Oh my God. Not only that, he likes people food because he's so food dependent. So I can't uh -huh. even leave food on the counter because this little rat will steal it. <laughs> So going back to the Italian dinner I was talking about with Cody, he's trying to mac on my meatballs, my fresh ricotta <laughs> meatballs. He's trying to eat it off my plate and I shoo him away. Well, I don't know, five, 10 minutes later, Cody goes into the kitchen for seconds and up on the island, there's bear and pumpkin who don't really like human food. They like turkey and chickpeas because chickpeas smell like tuna, but that's about it. They're sitting up on the island and they're watching little chunky monkey who's face first in a meatball. <laughs> And Cody yells at him, so he jumps down and runs out in the living room, and we're like, what happened? And Cody tells us, and there's this little cider licking his lips, so content. <laughs> He's down. Last time we weighed him, we got to weigh him this week because we've been weighing him at the beginning of the month. He was 13 pounds even mm -hmm. at the beginning of the month. So we still That's want good. him to lose about a pound. Even if he loses half a pound, we'll be happy because he is bigger than Bear. Mm -hmm. So... Dealing with the cats. That's 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 been another thing. We struggle with that with Ellie too. Wanting to actually, eat people I just, food. No, she's fat. Fat. Cat. I just weighed her last night actually, and she gained weight again, which I don't understand how because she's on like a diet food. Yeah. And we cut back her portion because she wasn't losing weight, and the vet's like, she's at a point. She's supposed to be like an eight or nine pound cat. Like she's mm. a small cat, and she weighs between eleven and twelve pounds usually. Damn um, girl. <laughs> and we had her down below 11 pounds we had her down to like 10 and a half pounds and she's now she's over 11 pounds again and i don't know why but it's so annoying what food do you have her on um we use the i think it's blue diamond okay like prescription it's not prescription it's like the once it's the step below prescription food send me a picture okay i want to compare foods i'll send you a picture of the one we have cider on well the one we have is not really working so okay. we're gonna have well, to look into other options I was going to say, that's why I want you to send me a picture because if it's different than mine, I will say... I feed cider a little less than recommended. Mm -hmm. I haven't told Hillary that, but she's going to find out now. Just a little bit less. Um, well, our which, considering vet gave he us steals like a, his food, I don't care. <laughs> our vet gave us a like calorie count like, mm -hmm. and told us this is how you calculate like the kilocalories for the food you buy. And like, this is how much she should have. And for us, it's easy because she's only one cat. But mm. And that's what we did. And then we went back to the vet and she hadn't lost any weight like a year later. Yeah, and he was like, "Okay, cut the portion back a bit." So we did, and now she's gained weight. See, so ours is on the bag. It literally says, "You want your cat to weigh this much? Okay, feed him this much. Hmm. You want him to weigh this much? Feed him this much." And so we just measured it out. I drew a line on the cup because we measured it and poured it in a cup. So I will send you the picture of that cat food. Sounds good. What else have I been up to? Work. I've been super busy in work. I'm at work right now, mainly because <laughs> I have swing dance later. So to save time, I was like, I'll just record in my office, which I also love being here. Work's been good. We just went to S'more Overland Park to shoot Jeeps last weekend, which was a blast because I didn't have to drive the Jeep. I just got to take video. <laughs> 
And I didn't want to be driving those Jeeps because I know me and I don't trust myself. But that was a ton of fun. I won't get into too much. We'll talk about that on another episode probably. But work's been great. Been doing a lot of graphic design. Been doing a lot of video work. We've got some new clients. That's been a lot of fun. Untangling the web and getting their marketing back on track. So work has been very good. I'm just kind of working my, my way through. Oh, I just, that, that was the end of my list actually. Maybe I should have elaborated more. All I got to say is that we're... <laughs> <laughs> that work's been good. Coming up, we're staining the floors in a couple weeks and then building a bookcase. Oh, our basement's been leaking. So it's been waiting for it to rain, seeing where the leaks are, filling it with hydraulic concrete, <laughs> waiting for it to rain again. Okay, I missed those spots. Let me get some more concrete. I think I've pretty much got them all. Fingers crossed I have. It's supposed to storm in the next couple days. So I guess we'll find out. If not, I still got a bucket of hydraulic concrete. I'll just start plugging holes. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. I won the pot at the Super Bowl. I wasn't going to do squares, but I <laughs> was asked to. And I thought, well, you know, it's always been on my bucket list to do squares. Poof, I won the pot. Nice. NASCAR has been off to a very exciting season. I'm just rambling now. Um, <laughs> Oh, when I was home, mean this means nothing to anybody except you. When me and Cody were home, we went and got drinks with Ben Ernst. He's doing good. Good. What else? I think that's it. You know, we were off the air longer than uh, Tom Brady was retired. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I was hoping there's rumors that he's going to the Dolphins, mm -hmm. and I was hoping he would because then I could say we were off the air longer than it took Tom Brady to lose a playoff game, retire, become unretired, and change teams. <laughs> Three of those four things happened. Okay, I've taken up enough time with this podcast. What have you been up to? Now, I know you've been up to more than this, but mm -hmm. there was... Besides just we were both very busy and needed a break, there was a there was a big reason why we took such a long break. And I'm going to let you get into it because mm -hmm. I know it's been a long road for you to get to this point. And I also know that it's a topic that is not talked about a lot. It is not known about a lot. It's a common condition. But for people that have it, just listening to your experience, there's a frustratingly limited amount of information and a lot of misconceptions on both its symptoms and how to treat it. So as somebody that's been living with it now for a couple years, I just think it would be good for people to hear this in case they know somebody that's been going through this or if somebody may be listening that's been going through this and they haven't been diagnosed yet, but they have symptoms or maybe they have been diagnosed, but they're having a hard time dealing with it. So I just think it's a good topic to, to kind of talk about for the rest of this show. Obviously, we'll talk about the fun things that have happened to you too but um yeah let's just let's just kind of get into it so what have you been dealing with um yeah so it is a little bit my fault that we've been off the air for so long because I had to take a little bit of a break because um, I had surgery for endometriosis, which is something that I have been, I would say I've had symptoms of it for maybe three or four years, like probably, I mean, I would say they started in college. Really? And then have progressively gotten worse very slowly. I mean, definitely not in any extreme, but about a year ago, actually more than a year ago now, about a year before my surgery, which was in January, um, I my symptoms were getting worse. And so I went to a doctor and um, that was the first time anyone had ever told me you might have endometriosis, which the more I learned about it, the more I realized this absolutely makes sense. It fits all of my symptoms. Um, so endometriosis is a condition 
that affects one in 10. And sometimes the depending on the statistics, it affects more than that um, people with uteruses. So it is a condition that essentially means that tissue similar to what's supposed to grow inside your uterus grows outside of your uterus. And so it's in, it's just generally in your pelvis, which is not right. And so your body reacts to that and you have an immune response. And so essentially it turns into an inflammatory condition. And so that tissue um, can create lesions, can create um, scar tissue in your abdomen and your pelvis. And so um, it can, it does sort of most commonly affect reproductive organs, but it also affects, I mean, it's been known to affect every organ in the body, which is really crazy. I mean, it's it's a whole body disease. It's more than just a reproductive disease, but it now, does. does it start in the uterus and spread or it could originate from another part of the body? It can show up. I mean, you can have scar tissue in any area of your body and it's not necessarily like a, a progression. So the weird thing about endo that makes it hard to, there's a lot of things about it that make it hard to diagnose and hard, well, there is no treatment um, or there's no cure. There are treatments that are not necessarily the most effective, but the biggest problem is that the medical field does not really study women. And so this disease, which primarily affects people, well, it only affects people with biologically female anatomy. It's not something that has ever been studied or um, really researched enough. And so there's no cure. There are, it's only in very recent years that treatments have become, I want to say, streamlined. The average amount of time that it takes for someone to be diagnosed with endo from the onset of their symptoms is eight to 10 years. And that is not because- symptoms aren't severe. That is not because people aren't in pain or suffering from their symptoms. It's because doctors don't know enough about endo. The medical field doesn't know enough about endo. And the doctors who do know about it are very few and far between. And the doctors who know about it don't always know enough to treat it effectively. So even the women who do have a sort of preliminary diagnosis, which is what I was working with for about a year before my surgery, the only way to officially diagnose endo is through surgery because the tissue is microscopic. Um, the surgery is laparoscopic. So that means that it's done. Basically, they cut a hole in your belly button. I have just four tiny little incisions in my belly. And so they just stick like cameras in there and they're doing it microscopically and robotically. It's a really fascinating surgery, but it's also highly specialized. So even if you find a doctor who knows what endo is, you find a doctor who can give you effective treatment for endo, that doctor is not necessarily a highly experienced excision surgeon. So then you have to find someone who can do the surgery and do it well enough that it's effective for a long time. And even the most effective surgery can isn't 100% effective because it's a chronic illness. It can come back. You can miss some because it's so microscopic. So there's a lot of issues with endo, but I think that the biggest issue is that people don't know anything about it. And so you can't advocate for yourself if you don't know what it is. I mean, I would have never guessed that I had it until a year ago. My symptoms were really all stomach problems. I mean, I've talked about it on this show before. I have a lot of like dietary restrictions and um, things that I can't eat. I've been lactose, I've been lactose intolerant for, I mean, that really started in college and. Oh, that wasn't a childhood thing. No, I wasn't lactose intolerant, lactose intolerant when I was a kid. That really started when I became like an adult, like when I was in college. And so those dietary restrictions, those um, food sensitivities, I um, went to my doctor, I would say about three years ago, longer now because it's been a few years even since I've even been back to that doctor because I've just been dealing 
struggling with bando. And so I haven't been going to my regular doctor's appointments, but I think I had a diagnosis of IBS for, mm-hmm. I want to say two years before I had ever heard of endo. And that was what I was working with. And none of the treatments she was giving me were working. None of the, the like restricted eating was working and, you know, it, it didn't really make sense. It wasn't super consistent. And so I wasn't having any luck. And then in late 2019 or no, late 2020, only a year ago in late 2020, I started having really painful periods just out of nowhere, which is not normal for me. And so I went to the doctor. I went to my OBGYN because I thought that something was wrong. And my doctor at the time was someone, actually, he was a doctor I had never seen before. I usually just went to a nurse practitioner for my annual exams and didn't have like an actual doctor. But because I needed an ultrasound to see if there was something wrong, um, I they sent me to like the owner of this practice. And so he told me what endo was and that he thought I might have it after hearing about my symptoms and my stomach problems and everything. That was the only good thing he did for me. After that, he told me that the only way to cure endo is by having a baby, which one is not true. It's it's an old theory that doctors believed because again, they didn't do research on women's bodies, but they believed it because um and I, I'm not, you know, a medical practitioner, so I don't have all of the right language, but essentially that scar tissue in your body and that lining in your that's supposed to be inside your uterus but it's not, it reacts to hormones. So it's that's why your symptoms can be cyclical. So it lines up with your menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And so the um, the reason they thought that having a baby cured you of endo was because when you're pregnant, your cycle stops. And so your symptoms kind of go away while you're pregnant. And then if you're breastfeeding afterwards, your, your cycle doesn't come back yet. And so your symptoms are alleviated during that time. But then but, you have to be in a constant state of pregnancy. Right. And they don't always completely go away. They just get better because you're not having that cycle. But then eventually your cycle starts again and your symptoms come back. So the fact that doctors are still pitching that is frightening because that is. is a very old world of thinking and one that's not really based in science, but two, they're telling you essentially to just be pregnant for the rest of your life until you hit menopause. That's not effective. Basically. Um, but then I told that doctor that I'm not interested in having babies at all ever. And he said, he told me, these are his exact words. You should maybe rethink your life plan. Maybe that's none of his goddamn business. <laughs> So I found a new doctor after that. He also told me that any doctor who thinks that they can treat endo with surgery is out of their minds, his exact words. But can you report this guy to the medical board? I looked into it because it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And if he told you this, how many other women suffering from this has he told? Exactly. And how many that listened to That could be considered him? malpractice. Right. He also recommended like some crazy medication, but then he basically sent me away and said, come back when you're ready to have a baby. So I found a new doctor who is an expert in endo, a specialist, and she was incredibly helpful, much better. So at that point, I started trying some different treatments and um, different like hormonal therapies. And so it was a long year. And at the end of it, I realized that none of it was really helping as much as I wanted it to. And so um, at this point in gynecology, surgery, excision surgery, which means going in and removing the scar tissue with that laparoscopic 
laparoscopic surgery with robots and cameras and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That is like the gold standard of treatment for endo. So after about a year of trying to, you know, basically buy time with medicine and lifestyle changes and things that were helping a little bit, but not really enough to get my quality of life to where I wanted it to be, I decided that surgery was what I wanted to do. And so that was what I did in January. And it was very successful. I have stage two endo, which is, it's a little bit arbitrary. A lot of doctors define the stages in different ways. And so it doesn't necessarily mean anything across the board, but it's a level of severity. It's, you know, relative. Right. But the other thing about endo is that because it's an inflammatory condition and because it is a chronic pain condition, basically, and I just read a book not that long ago that talked about this and it was fascinating. Also really like not scary, but just it's crazy. Like the things that we don't know about our bodies and also oh yeah, the things that we do know that no one tells you, you know, or the things that we do know, but nobody knows how to treat it. Right. Exactly. And the book specifically was about basically women and chronic illness because women have a majority of chronic illnesses and they suffer from a lot of like a lot of chronic illnesses disproportionately affect women. And so it's all very interesting. But what I learned is that having chronic pain actually changes your nervous system and makes it more sensitive to pain. And so it makes everything in your body overreact, basically. It makes everything. So that inflammatory condition, which causes basically an overreaction of your immune system, then triggers like this continued cycle of, well, your body's going to keep overreacting and it's going to make the scar tissue worse and make the inflammation worse. And so it's all just, it just keeps spiraling. Yep. As uh, Cody's brother, who's what we've talked about on the show, has back issues. I That's another case where mm-hmm. I've been able to see, I mean, we could get the same injury and he'll be in so much more pain than I am just because he's suffered from chronic pain for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And so what the surgery does is it goes in and it takes out all of the scar tissue that they can find. And so like I had lesions and I also had adhesions, which means that oh, gosh, like there were literally organs that were stuck to each other. And so like removing that and kind of just making things as normal as possible. Um, I had some deep infiltrating endo, which means that it was like, I mean, I have pictures, which I'm not going to like post them on Facebook because right. they're really gross, but I think they're really cool because how, how many people can say they have pictures of the inside of their body? Like right. it's so weird, but like the deep infiltrating spot, like it's what's crazy about that is that she asked me before the surgery, are there any spots that you think I should look extra hard? Like that you think there's like something to be worried about. And I pointed out a spot on my side that I'm like, this is where it always hurts the most. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where she found that spot of like deep infiltrating. Wow. So, I mean, it was incredibly validating to see physical evidence of like, this is why I was in pain. This is why I feel this way. And so it was really nice to have the surgery just to have answers. Because like I said, the only way to officially diagnose diagnose endo is through surgery and through like that confirmation of like physically seeing it and removing it and testing it and saying, yes, this is endometriosis. So it was very validating. And also, I mean, it has relieved my symptoms. It's not a permanent fix. It's, it could come back. It could come back in a year. There's a chance you could have to get the surgery several times in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally my doctor hopes that because I, it wasn't super severe, like Mm -hmm. definitely on the scale of how bad it could have been. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky, but because we caught it early and my symptoms weren't incredibly severe and then the like the inside wasn't incredibly severe. And if I make the necessary lifestyle adjustments and kind of help my body along, there's a chance that I won't need surgery again. 
but at least I can keep it from coming back for as long as possible. Now, do you still have dietary restrictions? Because I know you're talking about you had them when they thought it was IBS, but does mm-hmm. that help with the chronic pain and the endometriosis as well is sticking to a limited diet? So what I've learned so far, and you know, at this point, my body isn't even back to like that homeostasis yet. Like it's still kind of recovering. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, she told me that my body won't truly be like at what I could consider my new normal for like three to six months. So I'm like approaching three months here in the next couple of weeks, but for the next month or so, I still don't entirely know what normal is. But I'm, I'm getting there. I definitely feel a lot closer. So what I've learned so far is that I do still have the dietary restrictions. I do still have the food sensitivities, but the reaction is not as severe. So I still get a stomach ache when I eat, when I have dairy, but it's not like it doesn't knock me out for a whole day. It's like it's manageable. So I still have to make good choices and I still have to be conscious of all of my ridiculous dietary restrictions. But if I, you know, want to have a piece of cheesecake for Sam's birthday, which is what I did yesterday. And I kind of feel like shit today, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> it was, was it Sam's birthday It was birthday a choice yesterday? that I made. No, his birthday's on Friday, but oh, we, God, God, I I his it. parents <laughs> came down yesterday and we had some cheesecake for his birthday. And I had a piece of cheesecake, which in theory I should not have done. And I did regret it, but it's not as bad as it would have been pre-surgery. You don't regret it as much as you would have. Exactly. <laughs> now, do you, you were talking about how for a year they tried you on hormone treatment. Do you still have to do that? Would that help lower the chances of having to go back in because scar tissue is building up? So there's no evidence that suggests that. So what I mean by hormone treatment is basically like using hormonal birth control. And I mean, I don't care about talking about these things. I, if our listeners do, I don't really care. So I had an IUD for five years, which was, you know, my chosen method of birth control was great, but that was already a hormonal birth control that I Mm. was in my body. And then the treatment that I was trying was adding like the birth control pill on top of that as an additional hormonal treatment because essentially taking hormonal birth control can reduce symptoms, but it doesn't, there's no evidence that suggests it stops the disease from progressing. It just alleviates some of the symptoms. And for me, the way my body reacts to like hormonal birth control, it's not worth it. Like I have bad side effects. And so Mm. being on that, even though it was helping my symptoms, it was also making me feel worse at the same time, just different. So my personal goal is to never have to be on hormones again. So that's that's what I'm aiming for. And at the moment, I'm totally hormone free. So the goal will be to maintain that for as long as possible. And if my symptoms do get worse, I would rather try other types of treatment, which hopefully by the time that's a problem, there will be other types of treatment because right. there really aren't besides surgery, which is a really extreme. So my hope is that I can keep it at bay for long enough that I can basically just go straight to surgery. I can't believe you said it a little while ago, eight to 10 years. It takes Mm -hmm. what do they do they just diagnose it as ibs are there other common misdiagnosis that they go to do people just not report it for that long it's a combination of misdiagnosis so some people they don't present symptoms that are in the same like the same that my symptoms i would say are atypical my i mostly have gi problems i don't have some of the like traditional
emotional, like painful periods and like really horrible menstrual symptoms. Like I don't have as much of that. I have more like digestive issues, Mm -hmm. but there are other people who present in different ways. So like another category is like really bad joint pain. Like it can be like really bad sciatica can be a symptom of endo. Some women have it, but they don't realize they have symptoms because, and this is really the most common reason, people don't know that they have a disease because we're told that periods are supposed to be painful and they don't Mm -hmm. realize that it's not normal to have an incredibly painful period. And so people don't think they're sick. And by the time they either a doctor tells them that they are or they realize that they are, it's progressed to a point where, I mean, it's been going on for years. A lot of women also don't realize it, but they've had symptoms since they were teenagers. I mean, if I look back, I mean, I started birth control when I was... I don't know, 18, 19, because I had irregular periods. And so, Mm. you know, maybe that was a symptom and I just didn't know it. And I just thought that that's how they were. And I just needed to be on birth control to make them regular. So, you know, it's partly because of the way that women are treated and the way that like the way that the medical system treats us, like a women's pain is not recognized, but it also, there's not enough known about endo to know what all could be a symptom of endo outside of the traditional, like, like I didn't have that diagnosis until I had super painful periods out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And if that hadn't happened, I still wouldn't know. I still would be treating stomach problems. I'd be going to a gastroenterologist trying to figure out what's wrong with my digestive system. And I wouldn't know that I had endo because it doesn't show up on scans. It doesn't show up on an MRI or um, an ultrasound or anything. If it's really, really bad, it can show up on an MRI. Did you have an MRI done? No. They just, they pretty much knew once you Yeah. I mean, once I went symptoms. to a specialist, yeah, she never even <laughs> did an ultrasound because it's not they're not reliable so how is your recovery going i said you you said it's going well but it, you're not quite back yet and how long has it been since the surgery it's been six weeks seven weeks actually it's been it's been over eight weeks now okay i think this week will be nine weeks and how long did they did they give you a timeline for when you would be back to kind of base level i would say all things considered i'd say i'm pretty much back to baseline now right now it's more really it's just like some lingering side effects of surgery. So like mm-hmm. my hair is falling out because I was under anesthesia for four hours and um, Wait, like what? I have really bad acne because like my hormones are still kind of out of whack. Your but hair falls out on anesthesia? I don't know if it's the anesthesia causes it and I don't know how like like if that's a like studies have confirmed that it's a direct correlation but definitely anecdotally like it does. It Surgery makes your hair fall out. My hair is so thin right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it'll grow back. Like, it's fine. And I knew that going in. Like, I was prepared for it. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, my body is just not totally back in balance yet. Right. Are you able to go? Have you gone back to the gym? Have you done rock climbing? Walks with Nezzy? Have you done any of that yet? I've finally gotten to a point where I'm starting to ease back into exercising. That was kind of the last thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's, you know, I mean, they, they, she showed me pictures of what my insides looked like after she was done with the surgery. And it does not look good. So I gave myself a lot of grace and gave myself Mm -hmm. a lot of time to just like I started walking at about I mean, I was walking, obviously, from like day two, but like going to like Sam goes to the gym three nights a week and around like three week three or four, I started going with him and just walking on the treadmill for like a walk like two miles just to like give my body that exercise. But I've really only started doing anything more than just walking 
for the last couple of weeks maybe. I've been doing a lot of yoga to help like build my muscle back up, but mm-hmm. also it's gentle. I finally feel like I'm at a point where this week I'm going to go back to, I'll probably just do like some body weight strength training this week and then see how that goes for a couple of weeks and then I'll maybe try weights. But I'm just trying to be really gentle and really gradual because I don't right. want to do any damage and I also don't want to undo any of the work that she did. Right. I mean, both from a major surgery and just you should be gentle to yourself because you've been dealing with all that chronic pain for so long. Mm -hmm. You had a great nurse from what I saw with the pictures (laughs) of Ellie in the movies. She was very happy that Ellie was probably the one person that was happy you couldn't move. Ellie was thrilled. Ellie was distraught when I went back to work because I was off for three weeks. And so three weeks, she got fat. (laughs) I sat. Oh, she's been fat for longer than that. For three weeks, Ellie and I laid on the couch all day and she it changed her habits where she used to always stay upstairs during the day Mm -hmm. and then she'd come down in the evenings when we were downstairs but now she sleeps on the couch during the day (laughs) just like that's her new hobby her new habit yeah ellie was distraught when i went back to work but she'll survive she'll live well i'm glad you're doing better i'm glad that they they actually figured it out besides the recovery have you been able to do any fun things in the hit and run hiatus well besides getting married going on a honeymoon then all the holidays and then my surgery things were pretty crazy for a while (laughs) Mm, yeah um but since my surgery we well one thing that we're doing is we started our big D&D campaign so we're really excited about that we had our first session in March and so our second session is actually this weekend which we're super hyped about what is your character I am a wood elf druid named I don't know what that means but (laughs) I like it. A druid is a magic user who can turn into animals. Ooh, so you're like a McGonagall, Legolas love child. Okay. <laughs> kind of. Legolas is a wood elf. Like that's that's the vibe. Yeah. But also, um, I'm a druid, so can use magic, but I am focusing more on the wild shape, which means that I can turn into animals. Do you Super have a cool. specific animal you can turn into? Um, I can turn into any animal that I have seen, but my go-to is a bear because it's it's really great for combat. <laughs> yeah, you can fuck shit up with that. Yeah, it's Is great. Sam a dwarf? Um, so Sam is the DM. So he does not have a character. Oh, he's lame. running the game. Well, but he can he, be any character he wants, essentially. <laughs> yeah, he's all of the, he's like all of the uh, NPCs. But he is really into it. Oh, Which I is great. Like he's loving it. And he's really excited. And he's doing a really good job, too. You should get him a special hat. <laughs> special hat he can wear as he does it. But yeah, so we're super excited for that to keep going. It's nice. Um, it's nice to have like a scheduled day once a month that your friends have to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's like half the reason this is great. But also, we have a super good time. So well, good. Do you guys do a potluck? Um, we do. We're alternating who brings the snacks. And then okay. we just do like a DoorDash group order for dinner. Okay. That's what we do for... Uh, monster of the week we haven't done it in a while because her cousin's girlfriend amrutha is finishing up her medical degree with some clinicals in india because that's where she went to school she's also her family's from india but she should be back soon and we'll start our next campaign because we we finished the first monster off right before she left i still have no idea what's going on but i am eugene the mundane <laughs> Who also now is a chosen that swings a a dinosaur bone. (laughs) But I think I have like a 33% success rate. And last time I remember, I'm pretty sure I lost it again. So... (laughs) 
We'll do a D and D uh, monster of the week episode. We should actually. I was thinking we should have my friend Patrick on for our D and D episode because is he, he the one that be... was crunking it down on the dance floor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think he would be a great guest, and also he's in our D and D group. Perfect. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, I think we have some some episodes slotted <laughs> for available people, so let's we'll, we'll get that in the works. Dang, it's already at fifty minutes. All right, we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> probably. Uh, one more question I meant to ask you though is for anybody who's listening that has experienced any of these symptoms or knows anybody that has or has been diagnosed with with endo do you have anything that you would you want to say to them any tips any advice any encouraging words anything that's helped you get through the process uh, thus far in your journey um i would say there's a book that i read that aggressive typing um my computer's like up on a, a like pedestal. a yeah like a i don't know what it's called a stand i don't mm. know why that it's hard for me to think of that word but um <laughs> It's up on a stand, so my typing is, like, extra loud. Um, so there's a book that I read after I first, like, went to that really horrible doctor, and he told me I had endo, but then he gave me really bad advice. I read this book called The Doctor Will See You Now. It's by Dr. Second. He's one of the top experts in endo. And so this book is really great. It is – some of the information is a little bit dated, but in terms of, like, an introduction to what endo is and an overview of, like – Here's the steps you should take if you think you have it. Here are some symptoms you might have. Here's some misdiagnoses you might have gotten. It's a really great introduction to the topic and to just, you know, feeling validated, feeling hopeful. It's a really great resource. Another one is called Know Your Endo by Jessica Murnane, and that's also a great resource. So those are two books I recommend if you think you might have endo or if you just want to learn more about it. Um, and then the Endo Foundation of America, they, which is actually co-founded by Dr. Second is also a good resource just to learn some basics, get connected to some resources, and they have a lot of information. I think something I've gathered from you, which you can expound on, is don't be afraid to seek a second opinion. Absolutely. Especially if they're pitching solutions that aren't based in science or you don't think is going to work for you personally. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, but you just have to be your own advocate. Like it's, it's really hard. And that's something that I personally have a really hard time with. Like I get so nervous talking to doctors, like, and it's probably, you know, trauma ingrained in just being a woman in the medical system, which is what I've learned over the last couple of years. But um, the, the most important thing is just standing up for yourself and saying, I don't agree with you, or I'd like more options, or, you know, I'm going to talk to someone else or just w- finding a doctor who's going to listen to you and finding a doctor who understands what you want. I mean, most doctors tell you that, you know, you have to be on hormonal birth control because that's the only thing that's going to treat your symptoms. And I found a doctor who said, that's okay. We're going to work on a solution so that you don't have to be. And that's what I wanted. And so you just have to find a doctor who's going to listen to you and it's hard and it's emotionally difficult, but it's worth it to find a doctor who does listen to you and can help you find a solution. Well, I know I already thanked you before we came on and you were pretty nonchalant if I asked if you would talk about this, but I, I really do. I want to 
thank you because I think it is a vulnerable thing to talk about and not everybody's willing to, but I think it will be helpful even if one person is dealing with something like this or they know somebody that's dealing with this. I think it's it's going to be helpful. So I really do thank you for opening up about this. Of course. Well, if you liked what you heard, make sure that you keep listening to us and you show us to your friends. We're pretty much anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. We also have a Facebook page where we post the episodes and do important announcements like the season premiere. We, we'll, we'll, we'll post that tomorrow, <laughs> which will be last yet? week when you listen to this. So, <laughs> um, But welcome back to season six. Welcome back, Nat. But before we go, we got to do one thing. We got to do one thing. Nat, what did we learn today? We learned that there's a lot more different types of swing dancing than I thought there were. Yeah, there is. I thought swing dancing was just swing dancing. We also learned that kitties can get chonky really fast. <laughs> It's hard to get them not chonky. And we learned that Cider appreciates a good meatball. Yeah, he does. <laughs> we also learned that the medical community needs to become more informed about the female body. We learned that if you're listening to this during the daytime, Ellie Cat is probably taking a nap on the couch, her new favorite spot. <laughs> and we learned, well, we didn't really learn this because we already knew it, but we love you, Nat, and we're glad that <laughs> you are doing so much better and that you are on the road to a less painful chronically life (laughs) this has been the hit and run podcast and we'll catch you next time